Welcome to the Bible Truth Podcast with Ron and Tim Reynolds, pastors and Bible teachers. Pastor Ron and Pastor Tim combined for more than 70 years of teaching and preaching God's Word. Listen now as they share the eternal truths of the Bible. All right, we're looking uh, today at chapter 23 of the book of Proverbs, and uh, it's going to continue the uh, godly advice from a loving father to a son, and uh, he's given him advice on several things, and let's begin at verse 1. When thou settest to eat with a ruler, consider diligently what is before thee, and put a knife to thy throat, if thou be a man given to appetite. Now, probably Solomon is giving this advice to his son Rehoboam, uh, as we know, uh, whom did not take the advice that his father gave him. But uh, nevertheless, uh, Solomon loves Rehoboam, and he is hoping and praying that uh, Rehoboam will follow in his footsteps and become the king of Israel. Well, of course, he did, but he was certainly not a good king of Israel. And uh, then again, we know that Solomon in his uh, old age, the Bible says that strange women are women from uh, other nations that were not worshipers of the true God. They turned his heart from worshiping the true God to worshiping idols. So Solomon did not set the best example. But when we read the book of Proverbs, Proverbs, we must be reminded this is God speaking through Solomon. These words were not Solomon's words. They were God's words through King Solomon. And, uh, of course, they are applicable to, to everybody. Uh, sons are daughters. Are men are women. Uh, so what does he mean here when he says, When thou saidest to eat with the rulers, consider diligently what is before you. Well, when you eat with the ruler, that's someone that is, we might call him a dignitary, uh, whether it be a, uh, a mayor of a city or whether it be uh, a uh, governor or the president or whatever, um, that has a place of authority. Uh, we should um, be gracious, and whatever they bring to us, we should eat unless unless it's something that God would not be pleased with. But the bottom line is we should be gracious uh, and uh, appreciative and use good manners. That's what he's teaching here. Uh, and then he says in verse 2, And put a knife to thy throat, if thou be a man given to appetite. Well, the, uh, the point here is, I believe that Solomon is, Solomon is telling his son, and he's telling God is telling us through Solomon that we need to uh, practice self-control at all times, and especially when we are uh, in the presence of authority, uh, of a dignitary. And uh, so, if you're a person that just you know is given to appetite, more or less, he is saying if you just uh, are a glutton. Uh, then uh, you're not going to make a good impression on that on that dignitary. Uh, so you want to control your appetite, and you know that principle goes in everything. Uh, people that uh, get themselves in trouble uh, 
uh, with um, immorality. It's because they've let their uh, their appetite, their fleshly appetite, control their uh, good good reasoning and good thinking, and uh, they follow what they what the flesh wants rather than what the spirit of God wants. And uh, so, if you're a person given to appetite, you need to learn self-control. Uh, it's important. And then he says, "Be not." desirous of his dainties, for they are deceitful meat. Now, his dainties makes me think of, uh, of Nebuchadnezzar when he uh, told uh, Daniel and the three Hebrew friends of Daniel that they would have to eat the king's meat and drink the king's wine. And Daniel, of course, refused and would not do it because it was against the uh, Levitical law that he had been raised with. Uh, remember that Daniel and Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego had been brought from Israel, uh, captured and brought up to Babylon, and uh, the king was going to try to make Babel, uh, Babylonians out of them, and uh, Daniel let him know that he would not eat the king's meat uh, because it conflicted with uh, obeying God. And uh, so I think the point here is that um, when it says, be not desirous of his dainties, don't give in to the temptation uh, if you're uh, seduced or if you're enticed to do something wrong. The motive of the ruler may be uh, to entice you to do something uh, that would be against your principles, and uh, maybe he's offering these uh, sweet things or things that he thinks may appeal to you to get you to do something he wants you to do. Uh, so if he's trying, if an authority uh, is trying to get you to go against your principles, especially godly principles, uh, don't fall for it. I believe that's what Solomon, uh, and I believe that's what the Lord is saying here. Verse 4, labor not to be rich, cease from your own wisdom. Well, it's okay to have ambition, but we should realize this, that uh, ambition needs to be controlled as well. We, we need to be careful about what we are ambitious for. If it's for something that will glorify us and that will uh, make us feel like we're important, that type of thing, well, then it's not right. Uh, and uh, there's nothing wrong with being rich, but remember this, the Bible teaches that God is the one that gives wealth, and um, sure, there's nothing wrong with being ambitious, but realize that all things must be done to the glory of God, and that's what uh, the Lord wants us to see here, and it says, cease from your own wisdom. Well, uh, you may depend upon your own wisdom to get you what you want, but let me tell you, worldly wisdom, it's foolishness with God in comparison to godly wisdom. And uh, beware of self-conceit, feeling like you are somebody, because even after we're saved, we're only a sinner saved by grace. Uh, this idea that we should build people's self-esteem, a child's self-esteem, so they really feel good about themselves, you got to be careful with that, because you are going to condition them to be selfish, self-centered, and self-conceited in their adulthood. Uh, I think you've got to use good common sense. You should let them know that 
uh, with Christ, they can do all things because the Bible says uh, that we can do all things through Christ, which strengthens us, not in our own power. And that's what we need to teach our children. Verse five, wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away as an eagle toward heaven. (laughs) Have you ever noticed uh, how quickly your money is gone? Uh, It seems like we need more uh, week at the the end of the money, Uh, uh, or more money at the end of the week. But get get rich quick schemes, uh, being ambitious just to have the biggest house and the biggest car and all these things. Uh, that's not glorifying to God. If that's what you want, if it's built upon your ambition and for your glory, no, that's not what God uh, wants for us. So he says, don't set your eyes upon that which is not. Uh, in other words, you cannot take it with you. Um, there is a television show now uh, called Strange Inheritance. And the last thing that the lady says that hosts that show is, remember, you cannot take it with you. And that is so true. Uh, there's an old saying that, uh, that uh, what is it, uh, have no pockets, uh, shrouds have no pockets, uh, which basically means the, uh, the same thing, that you cannot take anything with you uh, when you die. It's all going to be your body and everything, all your possessions will be right there in the ground. You know, they find in these Egyptian tombs, all these things that uh, the Egyptians buried with their pharaohs, they're all right there in those tombs. Uh, they've not gone to heaven. Now, uh, we know that to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord, we know that our spirit and soul goes to heaven the moment we die physically. Our body stays here. Uh, and if we're saved, our spirit and soul goes to heaven to be with the Lord. If we're not, it goes to hell. Uh, according to Luke chapter 16, the Bible says, The rich man died and lift up his eyes, uh, being in torment, lift up his eyes in hell. And so uh, be ambitious, but be ambitious for the Lord. And the Lord will, he'll reward you if your ambition is focused on him and to glorify him. Verse 6, Eat thou not the bread of him that hath, an, that hath an evil eye, neither desire thou his dainty meats. Now, the question is, uh, who is someone that has an evil eye? Well, I'm not sure what an evil eye is. I don't know if it's uh, staring someone down or whatever the case may be, but if a person has an evil eye, they probably have an evil heart, and you'd be wise not to uh, spend a lot of time with them. It says, Eat not the bread of him that hath an evil eye, neither desire thou his dainty, meat, dainty meats. No matter how much uh, a person that has an ulterior motive uh, in their heart to trap you or something or entice you to do something that uh, you should not do. That's what, the, what this is teaching. And uh, we should not fall for their traps. And uh, so just don't eat bread with them. Just don't eat with someone that uh, has evil in their hearts. Uh, and uh, and don't, don't desire what, what they offer you uh, because uh, it's not what God wants you to have. That's the warning. Verse 4, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. 
well, that leads us to believe that this guy has an evil eye because he has an evil heart. That's the way he thinks. And, and it is a truism that um, that what we think from our heart is what we we are. If our hearts are right with God, then we will think right. If our hearts are away from God, uh, we're not going to think on uh, godly things. Uh, so the Bible says, so is he. Eat, drink, saith he to thee. Eat and drink, but his heart is not with thee. Now, the reason his heart is not with you, if you are before someone that's enticing you to do wrong, is because uh, he has an evil heart. Or it could be she has an evil heart, and they want to, again, entice you to do something that uh, is not right. Uh, without a doubt, they have an ulterior motive, and it's going to be something that will benefit them, not really benefit you. And so he may say, oh, eat and drink, uh, have a good time. But really, there's evil in his heart. Uh, the teaching here, of course, is to be careful who you hang around with. And when you're enticed by someone that uh, seems to be almost too good to you, you might be aware of a person like that. They probably have an ulterior motive because mankind, at our hearts, uh, we are selfish. And um, so uh, there's a warning there. And then he says in verse 8, The morsel which thou hast eaten shalt thou vomit up and lose thy sweet words. Uh, so again, the moral of the story is uh, don't hang out with those people that's going to uh, entice you with goodies or with money or whatever they may entice you with. Uh, and it can go for uh, things immoral as well. Uh, uh, a woman that might entice you as a husband to leave your wife and go with her, that type of thing. Um, these kind of people are selfish at their hearts or in their hearts, and it's not for your well-being. And uh, it says, the morsel which thou hast eaten shalt thou vomit up, vomit up. In other words, you may take one of his dainties, but it's not going to benefit you any. You're, it's, you're like someone that eats something that later makes them sick. So the point is, you're going to be sick if you fall for the enticement of this person with the evil eye and an evil heart. You know, I think Solomon is warning his son uh, because you know how it is. If you're in a position of uh, leadership, many times someone will want to bring you down uh, and they'll use enticements to do that. The devil, of course, wants to bring you down. So he's probably telling Rehoboam, be careful who you hang out with because they may really be super good to you, but they may have an ulterior motive. Verse 9, speak not in the ears of a fool, for he will despise the wisdom of thy words. Uh, you can tell a fool something, but you can't tell him much. Uh, fools, uh, you, there, there's no use wasting time counseling with them and uh, giving them advice uh, because uh, they'll just, it says, for he will despise the wisdom of thy words. Why? Because they or he is a fool. They think they already know it all. They cannot be told. They're, they're not teachable. And uh, so don't waste your time with them. You know, people will waste your time, especially if you are a person in a position of leadership. Uh, I got to where 
that uh, I was very careful about my time when I pastored the church because people, well-meaning people, will come in and take your time when you have other things you must be doing. So uh, I think a pastor or a person in leadership position, if they give someone their time, they need to set a time limit. Uh, look, I've got 10 minutes uh, or I've got five minutes. And what is it that that you need? And then at the end of five minutes, say, I'm sorry, but uh, thank you for coming in, blah, 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 uh, because you've got to guard your time. Verse 23. Remove not the old landmark and enter not into the fields of the fatherless. Well, here uh, the Lord is telling us uh, there's a spiritual application here. Uh, the spiritual application is there are certain uh, spiritual landmarks uh, we think of them as uh, Bible truths, uh, like in, uh, the deity of Christ, uh, the virgin birth of Christ, the sinless blood of Christ, uh, the Bible being inspired of God, uh, every word inspired. These are things, these are landmarks that um, are spiritual landmarks that we better not remove. Uh, a lot of them have been removed from churches and from uh, Bible colleges and whatever, uh, and uh, it's something that will lead to uh, drifting away from the Word of God. Uh, but in a literal sense, they would set landmarks to mark off where their land was, uh, and sometimes people would move those landmarks to uh, to get someone else's land, a little bit more land, and uh, uh, so it's actually stealing is what it was amount, what it amounts to. And uh, then he says, enter not into the fields of the fatherless. The warning here is uh, someone that is an orphan, uh, don't take advantage of them. Don't, don't even go into their field. Don't, um, you know, try to argue with them over where the land ends and where their land begins and whatever. Uh, don't do that. Uh, you're better off to let God take care of these things. Um, and it, it's a it's a warning of also don't tamper with uh, with standards of morality. Uh, you know, we live in a day and age when everything is relative. It's not absolute, uh, but there are absolutes. And uh, the Bible teaches there are absolutes. And we need to make sure those are not removed. If a lot of people had their way, they would remove those things, uh, like they've removed the Ten Commandments from schools. They've removed the Bible from schools. And let me tell you, uh, our society is not better off because of that. But uh, it's a warning that God gives here. Then speaking of these, uh, the fatherless or the orphans, uh, the Bible says in verse 11, for their Redeemer is mighty. He shall plead the cause, their cause with thee. What it's saying here is God is watching you. And if you remove the landmarks and you take advantage of those who cannot uh, fight back, uh, that uh, God will take care of those uh, those orphans. But God will also take care of you if you try to cheat them. Uh, and uh, he shall plead their cause with thee. Uh, in other words, you'd be fighting against God if you try to take advantage of uh, people who uh, cannot defend themselves. 
verse 20, uh, verse 12. Apply thine heart unto instruction and thine ears to the words of knowledge. Well, that's self-explanatory. Just listen to what somebody's telling you. Uh, don't rebel against instruction, but uh, listen to it. Take it to your heart. Apply thy heart, it says, uh, and uh, accept the words of knowledge. You know, uh, a person that is self-centered and thinks they know it all, uh, they're not going to take teaching or instruction or or, uh, they'll not gain words of knowledge. They'll not gain knowledge uh, because they will not apply their heart to it, but uh, they want to do it their own way. Verse 20, uh, I beg your pardon, verse 13, chapter 23, withhold not correction from a child. Now then, Solomon is giving advice through the Holy Spirit of God to his son, but it's advice for all parents uh, in rearing children. And I understand that there'll be people that will say, well, I don't care what the Bible says. I think that's child abuse. Well, I just know that it works because we worked it. My wife and I raised four boys and we practice what the Bible teaches, and uh, the boys turned out to be good men. And um, uh, I think the same is true about girls. Uh, If you train up a child in the way they should go, we've already talked about that, but then you have to correct your children. Uh, We live at a time when you know children uh, seem to do whatever they want to, and parents are afraid to correct them, Uh, It's as if some parents are afraid of their children, but no, God has put parents in a position to oversee their children and to to correct them. And the Bible says, withhold, don't hold back correction from a child. They do something wrong, correct it, correct it immediately. Don't put off correction. You're making a big mistake, parents, if you put off correction. Even if you have to take a child that's misbehaving, you're in some uh, department store or something, grocery store, and they're misbehaving, uh, my advice would be take them to your automobile, stop your shopping right there, and deal with that because that's more important than your shopping is, and correct that child. And according to the Bible here, it says, For if thou beatest him with a rod, he shall not die. Now, I know that word beatest scares some people to death. But it doesn't mean beating children uh, to the point, you know, where they're going to bleed and all this and that. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about correcting them with a switch or I suggest you do not use your hand um, and use good common sense. Uh, it's according to how big the child is. and uh, But the child needs to have that correction. And punishment is a way that God... Um, deals with his children, chastisement, and we should deal with our physical children the same way. For if thou beatest him with a rod, he shall not die. Um, Beatest means if you spank him, all right? Uh, He'll not die. He may sound like he's going to die, but he's not going to die. You may wound his uh, self-will. Matter of fact, that's what you're trying to do is to conform his will to the will of the parent And that's the uh, idea of the correction to take that, to break that will that is rebellious and conform it to your will, just like our wills need to be conformed to God's will. And that's why he chastises us. Uh, And uh, so uh, it it simply means that it'll, it'll produce 
in the long term, a good uh, teenager and a good adult if children receive correction. Once again, always balance correction with compliments. Uh, don't spend all your time correcting. Tell the child uh, when they do right that you appreciate it. And uh, if you balance that out, uh, I believe you'll raise a good child. The Bible says in verse 14, Thou shalt beat him with a rod, or spank him with a switch, or whatever it may be, and shalt deliver his soul from hell. Now, what does that mean? Well, it simply means that uh, when you correct a child and when you inflict uh, punishment, and I believe in corporal punishment, uh, that uh, you will deter that child from doing what they did wrong uh, from doing it again. Uh, you will uh, cause that foolishness that's bound up in the heart of every child to turn to wisdom. And uh, it'll point him on the path away from hell if you correct him, correct him. But if you do not correct the child uh, and they grow up, they will have a life that is going to be like hell. Not only that, but without a doubt, if they are not corrected by a parent, they will not take correction from God, so therefore they will eventually wind up in hell. And uh, so it's, it's very important that we understand that what you're trying to do is produce godly character in a child. And remember, it's train up a child, not a teenager. Uh, you've got your work cut out for you if you wait until they're teenagers to, uh, to correct them. Verse uh, 15, my son, if thine heart be wise, my heart shall rejoice, even mine. Probably Solomon is addressing his son Rehoboam here, and he is saying to him, look, if you turn out to be a wise person, uh, it's going to be a blessing to me. Uh, If your heart be wise, it's going to bring a lot of joy to your dad's uh, heart, and uh, I'm going to be pleased. So he is encouraging his son here. And that's what a parent should do. Uh, And then, uh, yea, my reins shall rejoice. Reins is, uh, R-E-I-N-S, reins is speaking about the the, um, uh, abdominal area, uh, the the stomach and whatever. Uh, He says, my reins shall rejoice. In other words, the inner... The inner being of uh, Solomon, he says, my inner being will rejoice if you turn out to be a wise son, if you, um, if you have a, a wise heart. And uh, so uh, he's just simply saying here, it's going to be a blessing to me if you turn out to be a wise man. All right, Uh, I think I'm going to stop right there, and we'll pick it up in verse 17 in our next session.
You've been listening to the Bible Truth Podcast with your host pastors, Tim and Ron Reynolds. They can be contacted on the Mount Vernon Baptist Temple Facebook page, or you may send Pastor Tim an email to T-I-M-R-E-Y-1 at hotmail.com. Or if you prefer, mail correspondence to Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois, 62864. Again, that's Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois, 62864. Thank you for listening.